0: You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is distributed by Glassbox Media and is part of the Crawlspace Media family.
1: Hello and welcome back to True Crime Twins. I'm Melina here with my sister Chloe for another week of true crime stories. Today, we are covering part two of the Manson family killings. Today, we are focusing on the cult aspect of the murders and how Charles Manson managed to get these old teens to young adults, follow him and obey his every whim without any question. Manson used the hippie movement to his advantage to gain these followers who were typically from middle class backgrounds and were trying to escape the status quo and they were trying to find themselves. He then took this idea and took it to a thousand and kept making these implications that he was Jesus Christ. He would have the family go on these LSD trips And he would reenact the crucifixion, apparently very realistically. Not all of the Manson family participated in these violent acts. So it's hard to say if he truly brainwashed all of them, but it seems like he could have focused on the ones who wanted his approval the most the ones that were insecure and had, and the ones who lack an identity. He would brainwash his followers by taking away their, quote, ego. Charles Tex Watson and another follower, Paul Watkins, both confirmed that Manson was absolutely obsessed with the White Album by the Beatles and he would take certain songs and give them meanings that weren't necessarily intended. Helter Skelter represented the upcoming race war. Basically, Helter Skelter represented absolute and utter chaos and apocalypse. Tech said that Manson thought that the Beatles songs contained secret codes relating to this upcoming race war. It wasn't until many years of incarceration that the Manson family women, Susan Atkins, Patricia Cranewinkle, and Leslie Van Houten denounced Manson and the cult. They clearly were still very much under his thumb during the trial with the antics and the disruptions and the carving of the X's in their foreheads and the performances. It seems as though they needed that time away from him to sort of come to their senses and be like, wow, I was conned. It doesn't really matter anymore because even though they've realized that for more of their lives than from the start of their incarceration, they were like 20 They've lived triple that at this point. Even though they've lived longer denouncing Charles Manson, it doesn't matter because they will forever have that designation and that association. It's highly possible that the females who actually killed for Manson already had something dark deep within them that made them capable of such violence. For example, Linda Kasabian could not follow through with it She did, however, have a link to the outside world, which was her daughter, and she had links on the Northeast, New England. Her family was still out there, and she still had a chance and an opportunity to go home. And not saying that the other girls didn't also have the opportunity because their families later said that they would have taken them back, I think, for the most part. Maybe not Susan Atkins, but Susan Atkins actually had a baby, too, and she still did this. I think that these women already had it in them. They already lacked the empathy to be able to really think it through and be like, I'm going to take away human life. For what? I do feel sorry for them because they completely ruined their lives. There's no other way to really put it. They did ruin their lives. They threw everything away. They all had promise. They all had potential. They could have done anything. But they decided to follow this little man who acted like Jesus and they believed him. Since Manson's followers saw him as a Jesus type figure, if not Jesus himself, they saw themselves, his followers, as superior than everybody else. They were convinced that everybody else were basically things and that they didn't matter. They were disposable. Manson was very careful to avoid getting his hands dirty with the Tate LaBianca killings. He was involved in the attempted murder of an apparent drug dealer. He shot this Black man. He thought that he killed him, but he did not. That was the only known violent act that he committed as leader of this cult. And that was smart of him to have these pansies come in and commit these murders for him because he really thought that he would have gotten away with it because he didn't actually do anything. That's not how it happened because these murders wouldn't have happened without him. He is the common denominator of his followers and these victims. He selected them. He definitely outsmarted these dumb kids, but he failed to outsmart the state of California and Vincent Bugliosi. And the general public, because lots of people were like, how did this even happen? I guess it makes sense that it started with a love and peace movement, and then it just kind of slowly became dark, and they were already under his thumb. It was too late. It makes you wonder, if you were in a situation like that, would you see through it? Especially if you were troubled and going through a hard time, would you be susceptible to his manipulation and charm? Or would your instincts inside of you tell you to run and get away as far as you can?
0: We'll never know. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. As we discuss the Manson family and Charles Manson himself, it's natural to wonder why people commit to and follow cult leaders. It's a complicated question with a complicated answer, but there do seem to be a few risk factors in people that end up following cult leaders. They often feel directionless, alienated by mainstream society, by their community. They find a sense of direction, comfort, and even a purpose from the cult's philosophy and, of course, its leader. The leaders are manipulative and charismatic with the ability to make individuals feel special and inspired. This is not unlike gang members who also follow a leader, a gang leader. There are several similarities and differences between gang members and cult followers. They are similar where both the followers are disenfranchised, who feel a sense of belonging when following their leader. Gang members are more likely to use violence and they have a greater focus on their reputation and territory and financial gain than do cult members. Other characteristics of cult leaders are that they are persuasive. They are authoritative and controlling. They will even control what their followers wear, eat, how they speak. They will sometimes even use threats and blackmail to keep their followers under their thumb and on that point they are also quite exploitative they also often have delusions of grandeur that can even come to the point of them believing that they have magical or spiritual powers and this was certainly the case with charles manson with all of his talk about being jesus christ they are narcissistic They believe that they are responsible for healing humanity. They believe they have unlimited power and can be successful in an unlimited way. They need to be the center of attention. They need to be admired. These are all characteristics of narcissism. Narcissistic people can often be very charismatic. They draw people in with their personality. They know what to say to people. They can read people well and can be very seductive. The followers feel like they can relate to them, but it's all fake. It's all an illusion. There is a rare and somewhat unknown personality disorder called schizotypal personality disorder. And these thinkers are rather unconventional and even odd in what they believe and how they behave. They're not schizophrenic. They are not psychotic. But they do have beliefs that border on delusional that might be tinkering over the line of delusion and reality but it's not full-blown psychosis they may believe in many conspiracy theories supernatural like beliefs and a lot of cults reinforce strange ideas like aliens and supernatural beliefs and someone who has a schizotypal thinking pattern might relate to other characteristics of those susceptible to joining a cult are those who are highly suggestible or prone to suggestion they are unstable in their own sense of self and they're willing to try anything if that means learning more about themselves and who they are they also might be a little bit cognitively slow and more prone to being manipulated Thus, more prone to suggestion. People who are angry are also vulnerable to this because cult leaders can speak to people's pain and heartache and make them feel heard and give them answers. They have someone to blame. So the people that are angry and have difficulty regulating their anger and feelings of hurt by society are more susceptible to being manipulated by a sociopathic cult leader. People who are of lower socioeconomic status, people with fewer resources, and even those who have low self-worth are susceptible to cults. The cult can confirm their poor self-image and offer a way to improve themselves, such as a path to salvation. They can also give them a sense of belonging that perhaps they never had before, which can be quite intoxicating. There are a lot of groups, religious and not, that might resemble a cult. So here are some ways to distinguish an intense group from a cult. A cult tends to isolate members and punish them for leaving. They do not encourage critical thinking. They want as little critical thinking as possible, they just want obedience. The loyalty that is expected toward the leader is inappropriate and a violation of the boundaries of the followers. They also emphasize special rules outside of what's written and other deviations from things traditionally seen in church. It is the fringe concepts that are most emphasized.